that Wednesday nights to me, I think, as a preacher, is maybe a more difficult time to preach. Uh, Sundays are always seem to be pretty hype, you know, a lot's going on, everybody's looking for Sunday. Wednesdays are one of those where we've worked all day, right? That, uh, see, just like that, I didn't get any amens, but I know it's true because I did not get any response. We've worked all day, and uh, and, and we've, we've, we're kind of worn down maybe, and, and coming in, and man, these chairs, we spent a lot of money on these chairs, but they're comfortable, right? They feel good, <laughs> and uh, we just get to this place. Wednesday night also is where you're kind of preaching to the choir, all right, that there's not normally on Wednesday night a ton of people that have come in off the streets or neighbors and friends that need filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And uh, it, it's those that those seasoned saints that be, even though you've worked all week and maybe, you know, I'll take that back. Maybe there are some that need maybe refilled with the Holy Ghost. Depends on how bad Monday was. But really it's those that, that have put in the time and, and that, that come uh, to church no matter when the doors are open. But if the doors are open I'm going to be there, and you've made up your mind, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we have those here at Lighthouse Church, that if the doors are open, you've made up your mind, I'm going to go and be in the house of the Lord. Tonight, knowing who my, who my audience is and who I'm speaking to, I want to, for just a little bit, um, speak on a topic and an idea, a thought that should drive us each and every day to do uh, what God has called us to do and to be the person and to be the Christian, if you will, that God has called us to be. My text tonight will be Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. I'm going to read this very quickly that while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, being Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The Bible says immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Tonight, I'm, I'm reaching back just a little bit, and um, I've, I'll tell you that I have never, ever done this before, at least intentionally, but I'm preaching something that I know for a fact that I have preached to Lighthouse Church once before. Now, this was uh, about three months after we moved, uh, maybe four months after we moved to O'Fallon in February of 2019. I keep a log of everywhere and what I've preached to make sure that this does not happen unintentionally. Um, but I've, I've, I've worked on it a little bit and changed some things up, but I, I, I felt on the night, actually, that I preached that, I felt like there was coming a day when this would need to be preached again. And um, I, I've, whenever pastor asked me to preach, I, I felt like it was time maybe to, to go back through this. But I want to preach for just a little bit. For some of you that may remember it, probably not. 
I asked Pastor if he remembered whenever I preached this, and he was like, you know, honestly, I don't. <laughs> so I, I have a hard time remembering a lot of times what I preached last, you know, the last time I preached. So uh, I, I, I don't take any offense to that. But I want to preach the urgent call, the urgent call. The last time it was an emergency call. This was an urgent call. I changed it up just a little bit. I told you all. It's, uh, it's, if it's plagiarism, it's my own work, so it's, it's totally fine. Is that, is that correct, Brother Buford? Is that? Yeah, okay, perfect. All right, got the thumbs up from the man. So in our scripture text tonight, we were hearing and we're observing the first calling of the disciples of Jesus, of those that are going to be following him through his time on earth. This is covered in all three of the synoptic gospels and and in each account, they give notice to certain details of what happened here in this moment. The overview of events is that Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee. I'm just going to make this real simple. He's walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he sees two brothers, Peter and Andrew. And they are actively fishing. And he says to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says that whenever Jesus gives this call to follow after him, that immediately they left their nets and they followed him. He goes a little, it goes a little further and it says that he sees two brothers and their father, James, John, and Zebedee. And these men were also in an active part of fishing. They uh, apparently had caught the fish and that they have broken some of their nets, which happens whenever you've had a good day fishing. Uh, pastor had a bad day fishing the other day. We'll let him tell everyone about that later. But whenever you've had a good day fishing, you maybe break your net, and they're mending their nets. And he calls to them. He says, James and John immediately left the ship, left their father, and they followed after Jesus. We find a similar account of another where Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. And Matthew, as a tax collector, the Bible says that Matthew was at his table when Jesus says two words to him, follow me. And Matthew left all, arose, and followed Christ. I have often wondered and gone through my own mind. It's a scary place to be. You never want to really be there in my mind. But I've wondered and gone through my mind what went through their head. What were they thinking? What could have been said and and what what was going on that scholars believe that Zebedee was one of the wealthiest fishermen of that day now where they pull that I don't know it's things that I read in commentaries they say this and they I, I don't know who they are but they say that Zebedee was one of the wealthiest fishermen of the day so his sons in return would be doing well for themselves and would have a lot to gain by staying with their father and doing the work that they were doing with him. Matthew was in a good place as a tax collector. He had an advantage over people and could receive money and, and bribes and all these other things that he was in a place where he could do well financially. So what happened on that day? What was it about Jesus? What was it about this man, Jesus, that walked up? What was it exactly that he said? We know what's recorded in Scripture, but surely there was something more that was said to him or that he said that would take these people and would, and would make them say, I'm going to throw away everything that's going on in my life. All of this means nothing. All the years that I've lived, I'm turning away from it and I'm going to follow after this stranger 
that has walked up today. I don't know, and I don't know that we will ever know what it is that was said that day. What it is, what kind of petition that Jesus used that maybe was not recorded here. But what we do know is that whatever happened, that there was an urgency about it. That whatever happened and whatever was said that day, that the accounts used the word straightway and immediately whenever they describe how these men left everything and followed after Christ. There was something about the petition of Christ on them that they could not wait another day. That they could not wait another hour. And with the fishermen that they were, they, they could not wait for the next cast of the net. They could not wait until the nets were completely mended. They left their fathers, they left everyone with everything left to do and said, I'm going to go and follow this man named Jesus. There was an urgency to their response. Something stirred deep down inside of them that said, I must respond and I must Respond now. In what feels like sometimes another lifetime. And another person ago, pastor was pointing out pictures of me even in 2019. That uh, apparently I eat well in St. Louis. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in areas of uh, emergency services and firefighting and police work and EMS work. And we would receive calls on a consistent and constant basis. If we were not receiving calls, that was great for the public, terrible for us. It made time go by really slow and you did not want to be there. But we would get calls of both non-emergency and emergency cases. It would happen more, non-emergency calls would happen more with police work and uh, we would get we would get calls about nuisance and loud music and things that were going on um, we would have uh, we would have calls of my bike is stolen have anybody ever had a bike stolen it happens all right brother Harding thank you for waving your hand back there was that recent or maybe as a child way back yeah I understand so we get these calls and it's not something that would constitute an emergency we just kind of take our time to get there. If we're at QT, we're just going to finish our drink. And then we're going to go and take the report of your stolen bike. We would, we would often say, the bike will still be stolen when we get there. <laughs> I'm on live stream. Sorry to the police out there that are bravely protecting us in O'Fallon. And these kinds of calls, we do not run our lights and sirens. The reason is because the risk associated it's not great enough to constitute using that equipment. In these situations mentioned, no one's life is directly in danger. And there is no need to endanger anyone else's life while responding to that call. However, there were times and there are times when the dispatch is placed and they say things like motor vehicle accident with entrapment. You can hear babies screaming in the background of the call Someone calls out, someone has been shot or stabbed. The, the words are said that you never want to hear, officer down. Robbery in progress or structure fire with people entrapped. In those moments, these would constitute an emergency response. As I served as a, as a firefighter 
for smaller departments. I would experience times when I would get called out and I would not be sitting at a station, but I would just be doing life. And there were times, literally, that I left grocery carts sitting in the aisle of Walmart. And I would get up from a meal with my family, or I would pull out of the drive-thru after making an order, and I would go over a curb and around cars to leave from where I was at to stop what I was doing to go answer an emergency call. The information would come across the radio that would cause me to push the limits a little bit, to go just a little faster and to take a little more risk because in those moments, the reward of getting there even just a minute earlier was worth the risk and could save someone's life. There was an emergency that was taking place that a delayed response could cost someone their life. I believe that this is what happened On the occasion that we find in scripture. That they had heard many other calls and and thoughts and ideas from other people. Many other friends maybe had asked them, do you want to go do this or do you want to go do that? And they would say, well this is more important. We have a livelihood. We've got things that we really need to be doing today. But whenever Jesus came on scene and he petitioned the disciples, whatever it was that he said, whatever it was that they saw, whatever it was that they felt in that moment, they knew that it was a matter of life or death. They knew that it constituted an immediate response. And it meant enough to them that they would drop whatever they were doing and whatever they had going on, and they would put everything else in life on hold. And the disciples put their career on hold and their passions and their desires on hold and their sustenance for that moment on hold and their money and comfort on hold and and said to this man, where you lead, I will follow. Where you go, I will go. What you tell me to do, I'm going to do because they understood in this moment that there was an urgent call that was being made to them that required an urgent response. I'm here tonight to remind us of two urgent calls that we have in life. As human beings, as Pentecostals, as apostolics, we have two urgent calls. We have a call to salvation. Every person, under the sound of my voice, every person that is alive today, that is able to take a breath, has a call to salvation. That Jesus died on a cross that shed his blood for our sins and he is calling us to salvation. And for those of us in this room that have had the opportunity to experience that salvation, we have a great and urgent call to reach the lost. We have a great and urgent call for us to go and to seek out those that do not know this truth and to make sure that they hear it and do everything that we can to share that with them. It's an urgent, urgent call. Each of us obviously have been called to salvation and those of us who have experienced it must answer the call to go. In the world today... In the world today, there are people that are calling out for help. And the question is, where are the responders? 
There are people that are begging for deliverance that we work with every day, that we go to school with every day, that we see on a daily basis, that as we pull into our driveway, we wave at them as our neighbors, as they're barbecuing on the porch, and they everything looks fine in their life, but they're begging for deliverance and for an answer. But where are the responders? Romans 10 and 14 says, How will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? I had a conversation with someone earlier today about how we take this sometimes. And, and please don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a preacher and I'm of, of a family of preachers. And pastor, please don't get me wrong. This being your sole vocation here, but I believe that we have minimized preaching down to a pulpit. That whenever we say, how will they hear without someone preaching? I, I don't believe, in, and you scholars in the room, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that that is, that that is penned specifically for the one with the calling to preach on their life, to get behind a pulpit and to pastor a church, but that each and every day, each and every one of us should be out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, either with our words or from whatever platform that God has given you to be able to use or through your actions or your own life. There should be a moment that you have in your life each and every day where you are preaching the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. Everywhere that we go, everyone that we talk to and everything that we do should be preaching the gospel. The world has gotten so busy and so loud though. So many things buying for our attention that I feel like sometimes we get so tied up in the things of this world that we miss the call. We miss the alert and we miss the sign of what is happening and what is what, is, what God is trying to point out to us. When on the fire department, I would be at home at times and, and my pager would go off that I would carry. And whenever that thing would sound, everything else in my life would come to a halt. The TV would be muted. The conversations would stop. Nothing else mattered in that moment. I am now alert and at attention to the emergency that is at hand. We need to hear as the apostolic church in the end times. We need to hear the urgent call of God to reach the lost in our communities, at our work, in our schools, wherever we go, in our neighborhoods. We need to hear the call, the urgent call of God to reach those that he has called us to reach to those needing salvation God is saying come unto me but he needs those to answer the call to go those who have received him he is calling us to go to preach, to teach, to witness, to pray, to evangelize and to make disciples we need to hear the hurting in our community 
We need to respond to them with an urgency that says everything else can wait right now. Whenever we meet our neighbor and our neighbor begins to tell us of some things going on in their life, we don't need to be thinking about what we were going to do, where we were going to go. Maybe a text needs to go that says, hey, I'm not going to make it. I just heard an urgent call that I need to respond to right here. God places people in front of us each and every day, opportunities for us to evangelize and to reach and to share truth and deliverance. But sometimes I think that there's so much going on around us that we have we have desensitized ourselves to it. And we turn off the sound of the urgent call. But we need to hear that and we need to respond. When we are talking about lost souls and hurting people, when we are talking about a call to salvation, this is not a non-emergency call. This is not something that can wait just another moment. Your pleasure, our pleasure, my pleasure, career, entertainment, and life, it can all wait in those moments as God places before us a call of an urgent request. We should respond to the call from God with an urgency that outmatches any other call that we would ever receive. I'm going to tell you that in moments whenever pastor calls and says, hey, I'm thinking about going fishing, it's pretty urgent. I immediately start making texts, hey man, not going to make it to lunch today. I have to do a rain check. Something came up. My mom bought me a shirt for Christmas last year that said, sorry, I can't make it today. My arm's in a cast. Had a guy out making a cast. I love my mom. But if I get a call from someone that's hurting, that's in need, that maybe I know is going to be an hour-long conversation that I don't want to have, and I don't respond to it with the same urgency as a call that says, be at my house in 30 minutes, we're going to go fishing. Come on, I've made that thing a God. And I have silenced the call of God to go and help and reach the lost. Amen? You don't have to say amen. I know it's true. If we truly believe, if we truly believe that these are the last days then it is more important than ever to live with an urgency to reach those that are around us. I'm going to say it again. If we believe, we preach this, where it's the end times. This is the end time church. God's coming back. Do you see the stuff going on around us? We, we talk about this. We see it. We, we, we study it. We, we have people. I've, I've got people all the time that right now are really interested in the book of Revelation. They want to know what's going on. What's happening. How does this play in? We believe that we are the end time church. But are we living like it? Are we living like at any moment God could return? We have to get to a place, and I'm not trying to browbeat, so now please don't take it that way. I, I, this, is, this is a lot for me as well, that I've got to live my life every day recognizing and understanding that everything that I do, that I need to be answering the call of God. That in these last days, it is more important than ever to live with an urgency to reach those around us. 
there is an urgency to this business that we are in. Jesus speaks very plainly about those who do not recognize the urgency of the call. While the first of his disciples dropped everything and dropped all to go, we find that there are some men who did not understand the urgency. Luke 9 and 57 through 62 says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell which are at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. All of this building up in this moment to say that if you are going to follow after the kingdom of God, that if you're going to do the work that God has called us to do, that we must understand the urgency of the work. That we must understand the urgency of what it is that we are doing and the commission that we have been given, the urgency to go and to share the gospel. If you're going to do my work, Jesus is saying, I need you to understand that this isn't something that you can maybe do when you get the chance. That that you can think about maybe after high school or after college or after we've reached this certain level in our life. that, That you can wait until you're financially stable or until the kids are out of the house or until you have completed fill in the blank. But this is something that at any age, at any stage of life, at any moment, that we must understand that it's something that we have to do and something that is important for us to do. There is a world that is in need of your help right now. No matter what season of life that you're in. No matter where it is that you find yourself, that there is a world that you live in that is calling out for help and looking for someone to respond. The responsibility is there, and this call constitutes our urgent response. Tonight, I feel like God has directed me back to this because we, first off, we have a lot of new people in this church. We have a lot of new faces and new families that are here. But also because we are in a new stage of life in this church. That we are in a place much different than we found ourselves in February of 2019. And that as a church we have grown. And as a church we have matured. And as a church we have more room now. But we are also in a place where we can become very comfortable. It's okay. We're in a place where we can become very comfortable where we are at. Where we can say, man, look where God has brought us. I think we've worked real hard the last couple years. We've put a lot of work into this building. Man, we've got a lot of new families that are here. What a milestone. On a Sunday, it's not surprising anymore for Brother Sorrels to contact us and say, 
207, 204, 200 today. Whenever I can remember, I think our first Easter here, we were pushing for 200 on Easter. And now, on any given Sunday, it can be just a normal number that comes across the table. We've reached a place where we can say, man, God has been good. Why don't we just enjoy this for a little bit? I, I know that I can get to that place at times. And I know it's easy for a church of, of, this, of this caliber, if you will, and this status, if you will, to get to a place to say, man, let's just be comfortable for a little bit. But this is why we must remember our values. One of our seven core values of Lighthouse Church is that we are truth preaching and an evangelizing church. That at no point in time, no matter how big that we grow, no matter how many more new families that we have, no matter what's going on, do we ever give up our core values. And one of them is that we preach truth and that we evangelize this community and that we reach for those that are lost and that we answer the urgent call to take this gospel to everyone who is around us. Amen. I'll say it for myself. This is why around Lighthouse, we've started small groups. So thankful for Pastor pushing this and, and getting our groups going. We've got the kiosk out there that you can sign up. Because there's a lot of people around us in our community that we're connected to every day that may not come to church. That if you use the word church, immediately they're turned off. I don't do church. Sorry. I'll tell you this, this is not in my notes, this just hit me. We were, uh, Danielle and I have been doing a lot of work up in the Troy area, getting to know some people and reaching some people, doing Bible studies and stuff up there. And I was in a guitar shop a few weeks ago, and there was a young man in there, and uh, he he had, you know, he, he didn't honestly look like he probably went to church, but then they're talking to him, and I told him, I said, I said, uh, you know, we've got a Bible study we do up the road here. I said, and then I just kind of stopped myself and I said, I don't know what your stance is on religion. He said, I kind of have a forward stance on religion. <laughs> I said, all right, <laughs> that'll work, whatever that means. <laughs> a forward stance on religion. We invited him to Bible study. We haven't seen him yet. We'll go back by and check on him sometime, see how he's doing. What was I talking about? I said, there you go. An urgent call. There's, there's people every day that we come in contact with. Opportunities that we have to reach those. People that won't go to come to church. Got it. I'm back on track now. I'm back on track. I'm going I'm to come back over here to where I was at. There's people that won't come to church. We, Brother Shrift and I, every Wednesday morning, we have, uh, we have breakfast up in Troy. And we have people that come to that breakfast that have never been to our Bible study up there. And that's fine. Because we're making connections with them. Through these small groups. Through, uh, through uh, whether it's a Bible study group or if it's an uh, if, if um, interest-based group. If you know some people who like shooting bows, who like ladies tying bows, 
Whatever it is, if you know people that you can connect with, become their friend. It's making disciples. Become their friend. Develop trust with them to where one day you can share the gospel with them and they're willing to hear it from you. That's the call. That's the call. That's the call. That's why we're doing the things that we're doing around here, trying to answer that urgent call. We have churches that are, uh, that are being birthed out of Lighthouse Church, daughter works that are going in. We have active new ministries around Lighthouse that are happening because we're doing everything we can to try to answer the urgent call. But it takes people to hear the call. To respond to the call and to get involved in the work that God is calling us to do. We have to have people that answer the call. I'm going to link this back again to, to firefighting, police work, if you will. Just, just let me just do this for a moment. This is what I, this is what I can relate to. But if, if dispatch gets a call and they put out the emergency tone and no one hears it. It does no benefit for the one that is hurting, that is in need. Someone has to hear the call. Someone has to respond to the call to make sure that we reach those in need of help. It's been said that we are called to reach the world. And in that statement, it's easy for us to go, man, we've got to reach the whole world. How in the world, the world, can I reach the whole world. Glad I can entertain some of you tonight. You know how we do it? We start by reaching our world. We are all, we all live in a circle of people that we know, that we're connected to, that we see every day, that we have relationship with, that others will never see. But here's the thing, if we all reach our world, our circle, it will spawn off until the entire world has been reached. We've got to start with where we are at. We have new people that are coming in every week to Lighthouse Church looking for truth, looking for an answer. Our youth are doing a phenomenal job of reaching their friends and consistently bringing people to church and hearing a truth message preached across this pulpit. Daughter works going up in the St. Charles, St. Peter's area. Preaching point in Troy. I don't know the exact status right now, but there's P7 clubs in our schools that are happening. Bible studies that are going on in homes. I'll tell you, just because I'm directly connected with it, that the Harpoles, man, are reaching people in their community that they live in every day, every day, just trying to do whatever they can to reach the lost. And, and I'm, I'm cautious at bringing up names because there's probably two dozen more people in here that every day you live with the same desire and hunger and passion to reach the lost. But I was talking with someone earlier today who said, I wish I had more connection with people outside of the church and almost immediately got a random connection with an old friend that popped up on Facebook. And today, 
went to lunch with that person. Why? Because it's what we are called to do. That in those moments we keep ourselves attuned to what God is showing us and what God is placing in front of us and saying, God, if you will open the door, I'll walk through it. God, if you'll place the person in front of me, I'll talk to them. God, if you'll show me the sign, I'll do what it is. And then we tune ourselves to what it is that God is trying to say and respond whenever he places it in front of us. There are hungry people in this world, and God has given us the message of salvation. We must respond to the call and connect to them and connect them to truth. Brother Caleb, if you'll if you'll come and just help me out here. I'm coming to a close. It's important. It's important that we do and use every tool that we have necessary to reach those around us. Whether that's just inviting them to church, connecting them to a small group that we have going on, starting a Bible study in your home. Whatever it is, however it is that we reach them, we must do whatever it takes. Recently, we did a Bible study and it was, on, it was on faith, living by faith. And there was a lesson in there that says faith calls us to action. That true faith calls us to action. I, um, through this lesson, I turned to Hebrews chapter 11 and began to look through those mentioned in the hall of faith. And in each of those, those that are that are spoken of and 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 esteemed as having great faith, the way that we knew, the way that it was known that they had faith was because of their actions. That faith, that true faith, will lead us to action. Hebrews eleven tells us that Abel offered. God a more acceptable sacrifice that Enoch pleased God that Noah constructed an ark that Abraham obeyed that Sarah considered him faithful who had promised that Moses followed the instruction of God that Rahab gave welcome to the spies and it says and more that cannot even be listed conquered enforced obtained stopped quenched, escaped, received, and goes on and on. These are action words. These are things that they did that showed their faith. A true result of their faith was not a statement, but it was an action. A true result that they had faith in God was how they reacted and acted in that faith it wasn't enough to say we believe that is a new construct of today's church and today's society the biblical test of faith is what do we do with it what do we do with it I want you to stand with me tonight 
that if we believe that God can heal, what do we do? We pray. Amen? Brother Bazelli, if we believe that God can give quick healing, we bring it before pastor and we say, can we pray over this tonight? Because our faith tells us, I know God can. And we know that that faith is there because our actions follow up. If we believe, if we believe that God can save, if we believe that God can forgive us our sins, we repent of them, right? We can say all day, I believe God can forgive my sins and move on and never repent. Do we truly believe that God can forgive us if we don't ask Him to forgive us our sins? If we truly believe that Jesus can wash away our sins, then we are baptized in His name. If we truly believe, if we truly believe that God can do for others what we know God has done for us, we will go and we will share this truth. It's not enough for us to say, I believe God is going to pour out the greatest revival that we've ever seen in this area. I believe that God is going to show us the greatest revival that we've ever seen in the city of O'Fallon, in the St. Charles region. It's not enough for us to say that I believe that God can fill every person in this city with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If we truly believe it, then we will leave this place and we will go share it with everyone that we see. We'll do whatever we have to to make sure that we are reaching every person that is out there, every person, every neighbor, every person we go to school with, everyone we work with. We will do everything we can to share this gospel with them because we believe that it is the only saving truth gospel. Do we believe that in this church tonight? Amen. Amen. I believe every once in a while we need a reminder. I need a reminder right here in my life that it's not enough just to be someone's friend. That it's not enough just to eat breakfast with them, Brother Brian. But that we've got to share with them this gospel. We've got to share with them this truth. That, that if we believe that this is the truth, that if this is the only saving way, that we must share it with them each and every day. What I want us to do here tonight as we come to a close on this Wednesday evening. I want us to think about a person. Someone that we know, that we're connected to, that we want to reach. Every one of us work. If you don't work, maybe you're retired. You live in a house or an apartment. You have a neighbor. You go to school. You got friends. Everyone has someone in their life that need to hear this message. I want us to think of that person. I want us to lift our hands. I want us to ask God to help us to have a renewed fire, burden, and passion to reach that one, 
to reach those around us. Lord, you see where we are tonight. God, you see, God, Lord, that everything that you have been doing around here, Lord, we we know, God, that, that your spirit is moving in this place. Lord, we know that you are doing a mighty work. Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, as people are seeing faces in their mind, Lord, as names are running through their mind, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, that you would strengthen us, Lord, that you would give us a new passion, a burning desire, Lord, to do your will, God. Lord, to use everything, God, at our fingertips. Lord, if that's Bible studies, Lord, if that's just inviting someone to church, if it's starting a small group, whatever we have to do, Lord, Lord, we want to reach the lost of our community. God, we want to reach our neighbors. Lord, we want to reach those we go to school with. We want to reach our friends. We want to reach our co-workers.